0: Let's flourish and be the best version of ourselves. Hey friend, welcome back to a new episode. So we are nearing the end of our episodes for the year. Don't worry, we have a few left, which, yeah, I mean, this year flew by, so that's insane. But if you've been listening in the past few months or you're new here, welcome. I'm Valerie, your host, and we are a women's health and nutrition focused podcast talking about all the taboo things from periods to fertility, body image, and more. And I would love for you to tune into our 50th episode or our trailer um, episode where we talk all about why we started our podcast and a little bit about my work as a women's health dietitian. And also, I would love for you to take a minute now to leave a podcast rating and review. Show us some much needed love and support. On to our topic for today's episode. Hormonal acne, but when it comes to acne, it's not necessarily a skin condition limited to teens as we all thought. In fact, a study in the Journal of Women's Health revealed that a large percentage of participants in their 30s and 40s were battling a skin breakout. Today, we are focusing on hormonal acne, a type of acne a lot of you might be experiencing right now. And I'm in conversation with our fabulous special guest, Dr. Tiffany Clay Ramsey, who is a board-certified dermatologist serving the Atlanta metropolitan area. She is here to share everything you need to know about hormonal acne, how to manage it, and how to improve your overall self-esteem too. Plus, she is giving you bonus skincare tips, so you're going to want to get in on this. You are going to love it, so let's get right into it. Hi, Dr. Clay. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy you could join us today. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. So the topic of skin health is so broad. I mean, you know this as a dermatologist. And I mean, we can talk about everything from hyperpigmentation to eczema, preventing sun damage, skincare tips, and so much more. But today we're going to put the focus on hormonal acne because a lot of women go through this and Those in our community always have questions about it. They're curious to learn more. But before we get into the topic, why don't you share a little bit about yourself with our listeners? Sure.
1: So I am a board-certified dermatologist. I am currently at a private practice in the Atlanta area. I work at two different locations, but I am on maternity leave until December 1st. I'm also a mother. I have two little guys. One is two. One is two months and i love in my spare time eating and finding
0: new places <laughs> to go eat <laughs> that's my hobby <laughs> oh gosh we would be best friends that's me too that's like my <laughs> hobby i love that <laughs> um well it was so good to to learn a little bit about you um but when it comes to hormonal acne or just acne as a whole, it's the most common skin care condition in the U.S. And it affects about 80 percent of population of the population during their lifetime. But when it comes to specifically hormonal acne, about 50 percent of women in their 20s and 25 percent of women in their 40s get hormonal acne. So what is hormonal acne and is there a difference between regular acne and hormonal acne?
1: So hormonal acne typically presents on a woman, and usually it has a certain appearance. It tends to be on the lower cheeks to the chin. Um, sometimes can kind of go down a little bit more um, onto the the neck, and you'll see these larger cystic pimples. They tend to become painful. Many times they don't really come to the surface and and cause what you think of as a traditional pimple, like a whitehead, a blackhead, or a pus bump. They're just really hard and firm and red and they hurt. Um, Typically they go away and then they often leave hyperpigmentation. So this type of acne occurs in women, like I said, but typically it's it's not in the teenage years that you kind of start to see it. Many women will start to have this um, in their 20s or late teens um, and on into adulthood. And um, it does differ from your regular sort of acne because sometimes it tends to be a little bit more difficult to treat with some of our traditional uh, medications that we might use for acne, like antibiotics, um, certain topicals that would kind of tackle that regular inflammatory acne, that regular blackhead, whitehead, plus bump type of acne that could be caused more by bacteria. Um, hormonal acne is just kind of its own beast
0: and so you know I've heard for some women that it gets worse around their period why is that
1: so hormonal acne is under the influence of androgens, which are the male type hormones that are in our body and, you know, versus our, our um, estrogens, which is more of our female or uh, female type hormone. And so the balance gets a little bit tipped around that week or so before your period, your estrogen levels are going to decrease. And then the androgens have a little room, they can come out and play. And that's when you see it more of few days before their period. And kind of like, once your period starts, you'll notice like, okay, the flare up is calming down. And that's because the estrogen levels are increasing. Again.
0: Oh my God. That's so interesting. And, and we just did a series on like menopause and perimenopause. And mm-hmm. so oftentimes I hear hormone and acne, it seems like for some people around menopause, this can also be an, a common issue. Is that, is that true? It
1: is. I have, so many adult patients with hormonal acne and they're like, well, you know, I never had acne in my teens, my 20s. And here I am, you know, going through perimenopause, postmenopausal, and I have acne now. Like what's really going on? And it's the same thing. It's because of that hormonal shift that the androgens are taking over. And that also causes other things that happen, you know, once women go through menopause, like, you know, having a little hair on the chin or having um, less hair on their scalp in having age, excuse me, having hormonal related hair loss is that the androgen levels are changing and the hormones are just kind of, you know, taking over.
0: I love how you say it so casually. The hormones are just taking over; they they're just doing hormones. their job. <laughs> and I feel like women, like we can never catch a break. Like I don't, I don't understand this. I don't understand it. So, who is at risk for being more prone to hormonal acne? So, I, I am a dietitian. I counsel women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, and I see that it happens quite often. But just generally, like who is at risk or more prone to developing this?
1: honestly just women in general I do find mm. that some women who are on certain types of birth control I'm sure we'll talk about that at, at some point and definitely the PCOS population so sometimes I'm sure you know this you can almost spot a PCOS patient just by looking at them and seeing certain features
0: mm. and so
1: I might have a patient come in and I'm like okay it looks like they have hormonal acne and then I see some of the other signs of PCOS and I'll I'll just ask them, like, you know, do you have PCOS or have you been evaluated for it? Some have heard of it and they have it. And then others that might be their first point to, you know, go get checked and evaluated for it.
0: Wow. Oh, my goodness. Um, And so when someone comes to you and they're kind of trying to figure out, like, what's going on um, with their skin, like what kind of tests are done to determine um, this, if this is indeed hormonal acne? Are there any tests? So you can, hormonal tests can be done, but
1: I typically will refer them to their OBGYN or even an endocrinologist so that they get a completely thorough workup. Mm -hmm. Um, But typically what I do is just get a really good history. You know, I'm asking them about their periods. Are their periods regular? What does their skin look like before their period, during their period, afterwards? Um, What medications have they tried? Are they on birth control? Do they take supplements? Because there are so many things that people forget could be influencing their skin health, especially supplements and birth control. Some people don't even put birth control down as a medication on when they put in their patient history. And so I have to remind people very often that that, that's a big, big makes a big impact on your acne.
0: Wow. And I love that. You also mentioned endocrinologists working with an endocrinologist and an OBGYN because I, I, I hear this like collaborative approach that we need to have, but oftentimes um, nobody's thinking, oh, I should go, you know, see my endocrinologist or, oh, I should go work with, um, you know, uh, OBGYN. Do you kind of see that like disc or, um, that like, uh, disconnect with your patients? I do because,
1: you know, the skin is such a large organ and the skin is what you see. So oftentimes people are coming to me first and it's not even a thought to them to, to think, oh my gosh, it could be, you know, something bigger going on, or it could be this medicine or this birth control that I've been on for, you know, years. So um, I am am not trying to gatekeep and trying to do all the things medicine related. I'm sticking Mm -hmm. to my lane in dermatology. And so it really helps to get my specialists um, in in with me to collaborate on getting these patients treated.
0: Yeah. And so that said, (laughs) I mean, what does treatment look like from a dermatologist lens. So I like to
1: try topicals first if I can. And since many of these patients will struggle with discoloration, hyperpigmentation, post-inflammatory discoloration, and I always try to, to start with adding in a retinoid just for that aspect of it, because sometimes people come in and they only care about the discoloration. They're like, yeah, I have pimples, but but the discoloration is really what's bothering me. So I tend to always put them on a retinoid, a topical um, that they can apply at night. And then I- what, What's tried... a retinoid?
0: Sorry. What oh. is a retinoid? <laughs> I don't know what Retinoids
1: it is. Retinoids are topical vitamin A derived products. Okay. One that is really common that most people know of is called retin-A. And the generic form of that is tretinoin. And there are several other forms of retinoids uh, that are prescribed. There are some over the counter as well. And these help to decrease inflammation in the skin. They enhance and increase skin cell turnover, which means shedding the dead layer, bringing out that new healthy skin. And they also decrease the production of the overproduction of melanin. So it's going to help with discoloration too. And then if you use it for a very, very long-term time period, you also get anti-aging benefits like minimizing wrinkles. So um, that's the importance of that. Number one, acne. Number two, um, helping the discoloration or the hyperpigmentation that comes up afterwards. So that's retinoids in a very quick nutshell. Got it. And okay. then okay. Oh, go, I try okay. to pair with something that will help um, decrease the inflammation in the skin superficially. Something like adapson, or there's another topical medication that's called clascoterone, which decreases the um, oil production and inflammation in the skin as well. So I usually try to do a combination approach with those two. If the patient is open to topicals first, or if they are like, I absolutely do not want to take any pills or oral medications, then Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. we'll start here. Um, But my absolute favorite for hormonal acne is spironolactone, which is an oral anti-androgen. It's historically is a blood pressure medication. So it's been around for decades used for blood pressure. And um, I I don't want to say more recently, but definitely I think that the the derms have adopted it as our our orphan child. And now it's a really, really common use medication for hormonal acne, number one, and also for hormonal hair loss, we use it as well. Um, It can be taken once or twice a day. Um, it does have some side effects, which I always go over with the patients before I start it. but that's my favorite medication because it's safe to take long-term to continue helping hormonal acne, which does not have a cure.
0: Wow. Okay. And then I'm, I'm sure of course it's, it's individualized depending on, you know, every, or each person's like own situation with their hormonal acne, maybe how severe it is, things like that. Absolutely.
1: Um. So the Dosages can be as little as two, 25 milligrams. Most of my patients are clear somewhere around 100 or 150 milligrams. And then there is a medication um, in androgen that's in, <clears throat> excuse me, anti-androgen medication that's in birth control pills. Some of them that are marketed for acne treatment as well, like yes, that has a very similar medication to spironolactone in it that also helps acne. So that's why that works as well.
0: Okay. Well, we have a few questions for our community or from our community members. And (laughs) um, I would love to ask you, the first one is, is non-hormonal birth control effective in treating acne?
1: No, I have not seen it be
0: effective.
1: Um, Mm. the, The one that comes to mind is a copper IUD. And I've had two patients, one of which was Actually, a really good um, colleague of mine who I went to high school with, I could not get their acne under control until they removed their copper IUD. We tried everything.
0: Oh, man. Okay. The second question, I take birth control, but I still have hormonal acne. What on earth do I do? You can
1: consider seeing a dermatologist and discussing starting spironolactone with them you can take birth control and spironolactone together. I always say they play very nicely together because spironolactone can sometimes make your periods irregular, depending on your dose. And the birth control, if you're, if you're on a pill, typically is going to keep your period coming every four weeks like clockwork. So they, it's a very nice marriage between those two medications. They work well together. If you did not want to... Um, <clears throat> take them both together and you didn't need the birth control for um, contraceptive purposes, you could just switch over. It takes bironolactone by itself as well. That's also an option. Um, and then, you know, if you're on birth control and you're like, well, I have hormonal acne, but I don't want to add another oral medication right now, consider adding in one or two topical medications and, and um, seeing how that does.
0: I'm wondering like how much, like for those who are like more into holistic approaches. Do you have any recommendations? Is there anything that you recommend in addition to maybe medications or trying something first before going to the medications? Has there been anything that has worked for any of your patients?
1: I have not found anything that worked um, from a dietary or a supplement aspect, but I also am not really familiar with that. So um, I'm going to just say no.
0: Okay. Good to know. All right. So another question that we received was, can it be caused by my new birth control? Absolutely. Um, so
1: certain types are going to emit more androgens, certain progesterone IUDs, for example, or if you're on the mini pill, which is just progesterone, tend to be more androgen um, and characteristic. And I have seen patients, and it may not be immediately, it, it may be three to six months down the line, or even a year later that you can see some influence from the hormones and the birth control causing um, uh, inflammatory and hormonal acne.
0: Okay. So the very last question we received um, was more so postpartum. And this lady says, I'm still having acne at four months. Will it stop? Um, can you be more... In- prone to hormonal acne after having children I've never had it before absolutely especially if you are breastfeeding breastfeeding
1: oh, wow. kind of uh my OPGYN um told me she says yeah you know when you're breastfeeding your estrogen levels are so low that you're almost like a hormonal uh a, a, excuse me not a hormonal you're actually like a postmenopausal woman right now. And I was like, Oh, wow. I did not Mm -hmm. think about that. Um, and so with the estrogen levels being lower, especially if this person is breastfeeding, for example, um, that can then, if the androgens come out to play and cause more hormonal acne, but also, you know, your body is still adjusting. Even if you're not, even if you're not breastfeeding, your body is still adjusting to a big change and, It may take a little bit longer than four months. And also your skin does just change in general during pregnancy. So that could mean that you might have, you know, if not even hormonal acne, you may just have more oil production or less oil production or something that's causing you to have more breakouts. Yeah. So it may be time to add on even something as simple as a topical medication. If you're not doing well for six months postpartum.
0: So there are solutions, which is great to hear because I feel like, you know, around that time, too, I mean, there's so much going on. And then now you're dealing with new symptoms with, you know, your your body's having new changes rather. Um, and so all these things could be very overwhelming. Um, so it's good to know that there are solutions. So let's talk a little bit about hormonal acne and the impact that it may have on mental health and self-esteem. Seems like our society puts this great emphasis on appearance, as you and I know. And everyone has something about themselves maybe they're not too keen about to whether that's the shape of your nose or the size of your thighs, etc. But because like acne is on is typically like on your face, the part of you that you show to the world, it can have an even more um more impact. So I want to know, Dr. Clay, do you have any you know, tips, um, any client stories, anything that you want to share, um, for women kind of in this boat of navigating self-esteem with, you know, hormonal acne.
1: I think, I think they go hand in hand. So not feeling your best, not, and not looking your best go together. So typically I see a big change with my patients just immediately upon walking in the door and observing their body language. Mm -hmm. when they come in they may be wearing makeup they may uh, be wearing their mask still to kind of cover it up especially if it's on the lower half of their face and they just don't seem very happy or very confident and once we start to implement a plan and they're coming for their follow-ups they they just look different I mean it's the same person but they come in without their makeup on this time because they're more comfortable with me looking at their skin. They may take their mask off. They may, um, you know, start doing activities more or just feeling more comfortable with going out. And And I see it day after day with my patients. It's like one of the, the happiest things. I always take before and after pictures. So at each picture, oh. at each appointment, I take photos. And when they come in and they, they may feel like they're not doing that their best that day. And I show them that before picture and just to see, you know, the reaction, it's, it, it really is just so rewarding. That's why I do what I do. Um, So they definitely go hand in hand. I do think that depression, anxiety, um, you know, in my teenagers, those who tend to be more shy when they come back in, they're more outgoing when their skin clears up. So it definitely has a major impact.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I mean, as much as it does have a big impact too, like acne doesn't have to you know rule your life. Like the first step is to see someone, like Dr. Clay, a dermatologist. Um, and I feel like the treatment itself can also you know bring about a more positive attitude, even though if even if this is something you've struggled with for for years. Um, and also seeking out a support system, I feel like that could be helpful.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So. While we're wrapping this up shortly, um, I want to know if you have any skincare tips that you can share that all of us, no matter our skin types, skin complexion, um, that we can all implement today for healthier nourishing skin. Absolutely.
1: Number one, do not sleep in your makeup. I know it's tempting. Oh
0: gosh. Don't (laughs) scream at me this early in the morning.
1: (laughs) We we have all done it. Okay. Wash (laughs) your makeup off before you go to bed. Number one, another tip is to wear sunscreen on your face and neck each and every day. It makes a huge impact on not just the aging of your skin, but it also really helps with your complexion and minimizing discoloration and hyperpigmentation. Mm -hmm. Um, and we get a lot of light, even if we're like staying at home all day, you get, you know, light sources from windows and then your blue screens are aging your skin. So sunscreen every day.
0: Oh, okay. And, didn't know that one. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a good one.
1: Um, and then my third, I learned this from my grandma. I'm going give give, to give this tip. Um, moisturize your skin after you bathe. So um, head to toe, just moisturize right after you get out of your uh, bath or your shower when your skin is still a little bit damp. It will not only feel great, but it'll help to prevent dryness, itching, irritation. And if it's cold where you live today, you
0: definitely should add that into your routine. I would hope everyone's doing number three, at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I like it's So they're not. <laughs> oh, they're not. I just thought it was like a normal <laughs> thing. You get out the shower and that's the first thing like you do. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, you, know, you were taught that way, too. Like I was. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay. So I'm sure people may be wondering, like, when do I need to see a dermatologist? Do I need to like have a preventative routine? Are there screening, like screening exams that we need to be doing yearly every other year? Or are we just waiting till something happens with our skin and we're like, okay, let's go see a dermatologist.
1: I would say definitely check in with the dermatologist at least once a year, you know, you go do your physical, you go see your dentist twice a year, Uh, For women, we do our well woman exam once a year, and your skin is your biggest organ. So sometimes it may not be that you have an issue like acne or a mole that looks weird, but just coming in and and getting a skin cancer screening allows us to see Mm -hmm. all of your skin head to toe. And then if there are certain issues, you know, those are things that we can follow up on at future appointments. If you have acne, and you haven't seen a dermatologist i would say if you're doing an over the counter treatment or you're doing your own regimen give yourself at least 2 to 3 months if that short time frame you don't see results then it's time to go see a dermatologist because you could be delaying your happiness and your clear skin and
0: why waste time why waste time that's right and you said once a year as a preventative measure yes Okay. Once a year, ladies. All right. So for the woman here that is struggling with getting their skin where they want to, where they want it to be, what word or advice or encouragement would you share with them?
1: Your skin is going to be clear. That's it. It's as simple as that. Um, Seek the help, stick with the plan. And then, you know, sometimes it can get discouraging, with some acne patients, if they are just very having a difficult case to get them clear, but knowing that sometimes it does take a little tweaking and getting the right combination of products and having an open mind um, about the products and the prescriptions that you might be getting in a tiny bit of patience, but you're going to have clear skin.
0: I love that. We want quick fixes these days. <laughs> It's if it, we want it, we want to just see it like right away. But I know, like, especially with skin, it's it's something that's super gradual, too. Yeah. grace yeah. OK, well, this is one last question that we love to ask all of our special guests who join us on the show. And that is how do you flourish? Hmm. I
1: flourish by. I would say by being grateful. There are so many things in my life that I have to be grateful for, family, friends. Uh, I get to do what I love every day, and the moment that I feel—I w- I won't say the moment, but one of the moments that I feel my best and I just feel flourishing—is like when you're when I'm out for a drive or I'm driving to work, the sun is shining, you know. There's a nice song on the radio, and I just feel so fulfilled.
0: I love that. Practicing gratitude—we all needed that reminder. So, thank you, Dr. Clay. Thank you for joining us on this show and sharing all of these wonderful gems. And we'll be putting all of your information on the show note in the show notes. Um, but hopefully, we can bring you back again to cover another topic under skin health, which we know it's such an umbrella. <laughs> yeah. it's such an umbrella phrase, right? There's so many things under that. But thank you once again, Dr. Clay, for joining us. You were awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. See, wasn't that amazing? I love, 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 love our network of incredible, talented women's health experts who can help us educate our communities. Dr. Clay is that girl, and I hope you found her super helpful. If you enjoyed today's episode on hormonal acne, take a moment, guys, and leave a podcast rating and a review. It will be so, so helpful to help us reach more women. Thank you in advance. And all right, friend, it's been real. I can't wait to hang out with you in the next episode. But until then, keep flourishing.